0: Welcome back to the show, everybody. I apologize for, once again, some more tardiness. I've been rather busy with sub-sales for my track team, some more scouting work, you name it. But I'm not here to talk about my day. No. Instead, we're here to talk about all of the new and even old characters that we're going to be discussing today. In the past, I have a tendency of introducing characters and then not really doing anything with them. And quite frankly, I think that needs to come to an end. So let's talk about something new today. So with that said, let's use the phrase out with the old, in with the new. No, what am I saying? Forget it. Just enjoy the episode. Part 3. A Step Back in Time. Now, as you may recall, there is one, maybe a few characters I have yet to reintroduce and make valuable assets to this growing multi-dimensional team of heroes. And I have done some sketch art as well. So, some of you may recall Nathan, the main hero of the very first story I ever told. I also introduced him in his own little cameo in a bit, And now, we're going to discuss his story and the events leading up to this team, from another segment. In the woods near the Queen's Square, Nathan rushed through the trees, on horseback he did ride. He drew for the lance and slammed his V-angled mask down, his striking green feather blowing in the trees behind him. Come on then, Nathan. You've ruined your whole life for this moment. Time to show your people what they want to see. Nathan burst from the trees, his caramel white stallion charging straight forward. Nathan saw his opponent, a much taller, bulkier knight, head and shoulders above the rest, readying his own lance. The audience cheered for their biased knight, but Nathan knew what to do. He charged forwards, and then stood up on his horse and jumped over, slamming into the other knight. Nathan's opponent was sent crashing to the ground, but Nathan never once touched the ground, instead riding off on his opponent's horse. Nathan's father, the king, and now fairly older, smiled a truly warm smile. "'That's my boy,' he said, and nodded all the same. Nathan jumped down from the steed and jogged over to the taller knight, helping him to his feet. "You fought valiantly, my friend.' Well done. The taller knight removed their visor, revealing to be none other than Aurora standing with limb adjustments and extensions. He promised not to tell anyone? Nathan smiled even brighter and laughed. (laughs) Of course, what are friends for? Nathan hid Aurora's face and then removed his helmet to wave to the roaring audience that awaited him. Aurora's caretaker, who happened to be Jack, walked her off, hiding his bird-like wings. That was great. He did pretty good for that run. Aurora rolled her eyes. For a gal from the desert who had had nothing but a spear, I'd call that pretty good. Nathan stepped up to the podium and looked into the crowd, and occasionally, he shifted his gaze to the beautiful, flowering fields off in the distance. Nathan snapped back to reality and accepted his award, a bright red peacock's feather, just in time. He was credited with completing a new jousting tournament in which you would ride horseback, hit a few well-placed targets on a race course from opposite ends, and then draw a lance from your sheath to charge through the tree line and joust. The people had done nothing short of worshipping this new sport, and little did Nathan realize, that history, and even the multiverse, would be drastically changed from this one event. Getting back to the award, it was a striking, unique red and blue peacock feather. There was only one red male in the world, and to this day, historians and hunters were still in the fields, searching for this jewel of nature. It even exists today. I don't know where, and I don't know when, but who knows? I might be lucky enough to find it. Nathan walked around the side and greeted his father and mother, who were both a little older than they were since we last met them. "'So, my boy, that was quite the sport. Words cannot describe how proud we are for you.' Nathan smiled and grabbed his parents' clothes. "'And I'm glad I grew up with such understanding and knowledgeable parents.' Nathan's mother wiped a tear from her eye. "'You really have grown so much since your last hectic adventure.' Nathan nodded. "'I promise, you'll never see that defense teacher again, and you have my word.' Nathan's father nodded. "'Just know, my dear boy, that you are meant for better things ahead. You have truly praised and pleased anyone who will live before or after you.' Nathan nodded. Oddly eastern for this kingdom, but I accept it.' Nathan's mother then asked a question. "'Where is Leonora? I thought she would have been here today, considering that you two are in a relationship.' "'No. We agreed on it, as according to rules regarding marriage, it's forbidden. And we'd rather stay as friends, in any case,' Nathan said, exiting the jousting arena." You've come very far from the young man you once were. We. I am proud of you for it, Nathan. The king's son smiled. Your little child is still right where you left him, father. I've simply changed, adapted to my surroundings, and expanded my mind to further conflicts in my world. Nathan's father smiled. Uh, I recognize that talk. Have you been speaking with Jack's father again? Nathan nodded. He's incredibly knowledgeable about certain topics. We spend every evening researching the history and wrongs of this kingdom. As Nathan advanced up the gravelled road to the castle, his boots crunching on the rocky terrain, he shook his head. But I'll always make time for you. In the past, I may have been resourceful and energetic, but now, in later years, I act with courage and efficiency. Nathan's father put a hand on his son's shoulder. The mother and I are off to get ready for the ball. Don't be late like last time, okay? Nathan nodded. I'll get changed out of this armor and go put something more lightweight on. Nathan's parents strode up the walkway to the castle gates and disappeared from sight. Nathan then turned away and walked through the castle gardens. He threw off his boots and chest plates, swapping the bulky armor for leather and chainmail, and he tucked his helmet under one arm as he walked through the sunset forestry. Hello, Nathan. It's good to see you again. Nathan grinned and turned to see his one friend who hadn't shown at the joust. Ah, Leonora, what brings you out here? The once young and starry-eyed friend of Nathan's, now dressed in longer, orange and blue robes of blacksmith gloves, jumped down from a knight statue carved from andesite. Well, I suppose the usual work. Nathan nodded. It's good to see you again, regardless of the circumstances. Leonora shrugged. It's good to see you any time. She moved closer, but Nathan held out his hand. Hey, remember what we agreed on. Leonora backed up and put a gloved hand on her hip. You mean what you agreed on? She raised an eyebrow. Nathan rolled his eyes and sat down on a bench. It doesn't matter to me much. Lately, something's been plaguing me. Leonora sat down next to him, and her hand began to glow with a warm and reassuring ember of golden light. Well, tell me about it, I'll see what I can decipher. Nathan sighed, and began his tale. You recall whatever that forest wizard said? The crazy guy. Take this key and follow its trail. You may like it or be killed by it, but only your heart can tell you what will happen. I've been racking my brain to try and figure out what it means. Leonora's eyes opened, and she slightly withdrew, trying not to make what she found entirely obvious. "'Well, I hope you find what you're looking for. Sorry we couldn't talk more. I have some business to attend to.'" Nathan grinned and stood up. "'Don't you always have fun with your magic cult?' Leonora and Nathan embraced before Leonora opened a portal and stepped away clutching her witch's hat. "'It's not a cult. It's a... okay, yeah, it's kind of a cult, but not the point.'" Nathan shook his head and turned to look at the slowly approaching nighttime sky. "'As the sun rises and sets, giving promise to a new day, I too shall make new promises.'" Nathan turned to walk back inside, but before he could get very far, a tall, armored figure met him in the flowering archway. The armor was draped in black and red with silver highlights. Nathan drew his sword, flashing from foes to beyond the veil now, and he charged forward. But before he got very far, Nathan stopped, letting the tip of his blade touch the ground, and he signaled that he was not going to fight. I feel like I should know you, and yet I don't. Then knight removed their helmet, revealing striking a red hair with green eyes. Uh, you might. My name's Catherine. Sorry if the armor palette spooked you. Nathan shook his head. It's no trouble, really. So, why are you here? Catherine smiled. Well, about that. Is Leonora with you? In another timeline, Ryan sat on his couch, sharpening a pocket knife with his name on it. R S was engraved on the blade, and he snapped it shut. Okay, knife check. If you granola bars check. Phone that's been weaponized in airplane mode on? Check. Ryan stood up and threw on his camo jacket, packing everything into a bag. His brothers both slept in their beds, as did his parents when Ryan was up. He checked his watch, a bead of sweat allowing itself to slip down his face. 2.45 a.m. All right. Right on time. Ryan grabbed what little he could and headed out the back door into the perfectly warm night. 54 degrees out, to be specific. Ryan felt eyes on him, even as he walked up the rough hill towards the backwoods. Not just from his chickens or the deer nearby, no, but from the trees and the ground. If any one of you wants to live, then I strongly suggest you lower your guns and walk away, right now. To even Ryan's surprise, a small, almost indistinguishable click went off in the night from the woods. Someone just put the safety on their gun. Ryan sighed and pulled a face mask up. Please let that fireproof stuff work. Ryan took a running start and he heard voices yelling as he did. His eyes ignited with liquid flame and he jumped into the air, spiraling up and out of sight in a great burst of fire. Oh yeah! Flame Rider's back for- But even as Ryan soared through the sky, it suddenly tore, creating a green and purple doorway in the night, which Ryan helplessly tumbled through. Round two? Wait, what the heck is this- The tear mended itself as Ryan flew through, and all was at peace again. But when Ryan maneuvered past floating debris and boulders, blasting through with fire, he jumped through another tear and out into a mansion of sorts. What? Ryan yelled as he crashed onto a table and bounced across the marble floor like a bowling ball. He came to a stop against the wall and sat up, clutching his head. Okay, ow. That hurts. A lot. Ryan looked up and dusted off his jacket, then remembering to swing his bag around. Oh, sweet, he dug through. So this stuff is safe here. But as Ryan stood up, guards and rich people surrounded him. Okay, okay, I get it. Iconic rich people don't give a crap about peasants until they get into the rich people's own territory joke. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, kill me. But instead of the guards rushing forward to apprehend him, a voice called out. Stop! What's going on here? Ryan looked through the crowd to see a kid, maybe a little over his age, walking forwards. The kid had rainbow-tinted armor with what looked like boots that could connect into a drill, and he held a helmet of sorts in one hand. You mind telling me who you are before you start breaking stuff?" Ryan asked. The kid shook their head. Uh, "My name is Emerson. You could call me that or Pride. Doesn't make a difference." Ryan nodded. "Pride. Well, that's pretty evident." Pride nodded, not even looking down at his armor. "Yeah, pretty much. I assume you're not from around here." The guards kept their weapons loaded and ready. But Ryan stood up now, igniting his hand on fire. "Yep. You ever seen this in your world?" Pride shook his head, tossing his hair to and fro. "Nope." I've seen giant, smoke-covered hellhounds, and all sorts of demons, but never that. Ryan extinguished the flame and waved his hand in the air to cool down. Yeah, something doesn't feel right, and I get the feeling you and I might play some big role coming up here. Pride put one hand on their chin and took the scent. Stranger things have happened, but my world's been acting weird recently. Violent earthquakes, more nightmares creeping through. It's not getting to be very pleasant here. Nonetheless, I'll take your word for it. But where do we go to solve this issue? Ryan shook his head. I'm not too sure about that myself, but one way or another, I think we're bound to find out sooner or later. And no sooner had Ryan said this than yet another portal opened, and two more fingers tumbled through the marble, into the marble-polished foyer. Pride and Ryan both hurried down, Ryan floating down with his fire powers, and Pride using his drill boots on a special line in the wall, which allowed him to glide effortlessly down. They both reached the overbundled bundled figures, and Ryan helped them up. Hey, what's with a giant hat? Pride immediately perked up. Giant hat. Ooh. Wow, no, that is a big hat. The man stood up, clutching his arm, which was slowly dripping blood onto his trench coat. Ah, great. First I'm dead, then somehow I'm alive again, and now I'm here. Ryan looked up at the cloak figure in shock. You died? Wait, did you go to heaven? What was that like? The man wrapped his arm up with a gauze pad and jammed a stimpak into his elbow. It sucks. Even worse than hell by far. There's nothing to really do up there. You just sort of. Jack? The man turned his attention from Ryan to see his partner, a woman in a white lab coat with fashionable sneakers and two glowing red horns above her tinted glasses. No way! Cynthia! The two rushed forward, Dr. Cynthia leaving Pride's assistance, and the two embraced before Jack staggered backwards. Ow, ow, ow! Careful on the arm! Cynthia covered her mouth with one hand, keeping the other on his good shoulder. Ah, sorry. What even happened? Were you shot? Jack shook his head. Nah, I'm alright. <laughs> Jack and Dr. Cynthia's warm friendship was cut short when they turned to see Pride and Ryan, with guards and mansion staff standing behind them. Oh, right, sorry about that. <clears throat> um, Jack straightened himself out and took his hat off, revealing surprisingly tan skin and hair as black as night to go with his bulletproof gear and trench coat. Uh, my name's Jack, you could call me that or the Sin Hunter, and this is my wonderful pal, Cynthia. She's a shape-shifting demon. Cynthia waved and removed her glasses to clean them. Sorry, I'm blind as a bat in daylight without these. Pride nodded. Let me guess, you two just magically teleported here after getting a sense that you're needed for something? Cynthia looked at the two children in shock. Actually, yeah. Wait, how did you two know about that? Ryan shrugged and then motioned with his thumb to Pride. You might want to let him do the talking. Out of everyone here who just teleported faster than Brad, I think we have some gathering to do and not a moment to waste. Jack nodded. Well, we can help out any way we're needed. You point us in the right direction, kid.